You are listening to Boise Fire Mission Strong Podcast, where we share stories from the field, public safety knowledge, and give an inside look into the Boise Fire Department. Here's your host, Fire Chief Mark Niemeyer. Hello, Boise, and welcome to the newest episode of the Mission Strong Podcast. Really excited today to be joined by three of our outstanding members from our Prevention Division. So I'd like to really quickly introduce Division Chief of Prevention, Mike Bazzano, also serves as our Fire Marshal. Inspector Forrest France, Inspector Joel Damron. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Thank Appreciate you, you guys being you. here. So, you know, we've done throughout the podcast, we've, we've visited our different mission spaces, right? So we've done dive, wildfire, all that. And certainly the prevention division as a whole plays a huge role in our mission, right? I, I had uh, my executive assistant years ago explain it to me that it's like a football team. We got ops as offense, we got prevention as defense. Sometimes those worlds cross over when we throw an interception, right? Uh, and I think that's a perfect example of the mission we serve and how we all come together in a different division. So, Mike, I'm going to kick it to you, uh, and then you can kick it over to, to uh, Forrest or Joel. But talk about the, the prevention mission space and how that then overlays into the, into the overall mission of the fire department. So if I can use the cliche, defense wins championships. Okay. All right. It really does. Uh, so with prevention, you know, we are an integral part of the fire service. Um, we deal heavily in public education. Um, and basically, when we are out doing our inspections, not only are we looking for things that are potential hazards to the occupants of buildings, however, or, or the business owners, we're also educating them on their liability and educating them on what firefighters need when they respond. Um, we can't prevent every fire, but we can prevent uh, can prevent occasions with it, with surprise firefighters. So yep. uh, our intent is keep the public safe. If there is an emergency there, it's everything that we train to, everything we train for. It's, it goes expect as expected. And I think that that focus I've watched this play out. There's so much engagement you guys do with the operations side of the house, which is really kind of unique. If I'm being honest, as I see different fire departments and how their prevention division works. You guys integrate quite a bit with operations. The things you see, you're passing on to operations. To your point, Mike, we don't have firefighters going into places and being surprised by what they see. Talk a little bit about that engagement you guys do. So uh, one of the key things that we do is we actually get in front of the recruits right off the bat. Yeah. Forrest has pretty much developed a curriculum for the recruits and even for further training to, uh, with our driver's training, uh, we, have, we are going to be having space in the officer's academy. Yes. Um, and then we also insert ourselves into just continuing training with the crews. Um, I don't know, Forrest, if you want to like touch base on what you teach the recruits, I guess, if you want to start with that. Yeah, so fortunately, prevention's been, as of lately, we're, we're, we're getting better and better over yeah, the years that I've worked sure. with the city. And uh, this is the best I've ever seen it as far as um, relationships between logistics and training and prevention. And we all seem to be kind of syncing up together. So I'm really... Um, happy about that interface. Um, so that being said, training reached out and wanted to know if I would be willing to, um, you know, coordinate uh, assisting with a, a recruit academy and maybe some topics I have some background expertise in, um, fire alarm, fire sprinklers, yep. Yep. Um, standpipe systems, that type of thing. Um, so put together a little curriculum and I enjoy it. And yeah. I like yeah. I like the FaceTime and I like to be able to get in with folks on the ground level and, and uh, at least introduce us and uh, kind of give prevention a plug 
Um, sure. Start and, building that relationship with them, though. Yeah, we're going to be working with them. Yeah, so. definitely. And then I, as I've done that <clears throat> in the past three or four years, you know, I've seen that come to fruition where I'll see, you know, folks out on the line like, I remember your class and hey, I had a clarification or a question on something you taught us or am I doing this right? So it's been really good to be have that cooperation. And I've, re I've really enjoyed that. And I think it's been a good benefit for I, I've actually seen some real progress in how, um, you know, our, our knowledge base of these systems um, and just communicating that with the crews and the captains. Yep. Love it. And hopefully our producers, I know that standpipe prop that you have down at the FTC is awesome. Uh, I've seen you teach to that. So hopefully our producers here will throw that visual up and, and uh, I, I got one little thing to add on that. You know, the, the relationship that we have with the crews that are out on the line, um, they'll come to us with a problem. And and we work, we've done so, such a good job lately on just connecting with them and mm -hmm. figuring out that issue. Because sometimes we've got to bring in code enforcement, sometimes yep. the building department. And the whole city really is starting to come together and, and work together instead of like, well, that's that's the police. That's right. our problem. Right. Um, and so that's really been helpful. And then when we talk to them, we don't just say, okay, thank you. And that, that's what the problem is. What, what can we teach them at that moment? So, cause there's a lot of times that we're not going to be able to be out there, but the captains, right. they, they're going to have to step up and do, do some type of enforcement or whatever the case may be. And it's getting a lot better. It yeah. really is. It's been fun to watch. And I love you guys are in the Recruit Academy day one, kind of yeah. showing all the recruits, hey, this is a place where the cool kids go, right? Uh, prevention is really, and it's credit to leadership. You guys have come become a place, a division, where people want to go working. Uh, it's it's an attractive spot to land, which is fun to see. It's exciting to see. I think it's the evolution of the division. We've actually, we've got it down to the point where we're a pretty good filter. Like, it takes a lot to be able to, like, get past the code which is there for everyone's safety because of the relationships that we've built, the education we've done on the street, uh, the education that we've done in the Recruit Academy that translates to, you know, on calls. It's uh, It's been really fun to watch from my seat. And that goal, I think, um, has been met, but it's a continuous goal to improve that relationship. I love it. And I think the benefit for me as a fire chief, you, you, you all take a lot of that pressure off. So things don't even rise to my level, which is a great thing in a fire department where you all are taking care of it with the other city departments and working together, kind of one team approach. Really appreciate that. Let's jump back a little bit. You talked about public education, Mike, which is such an important role uh, in what we do, right? Educating the public on dangers. Let's hit a few of those that are really important. Smoke detectors. Let's talk smoke detectors real quick and what what we want our community to know. Uh, a, keep them plugged in and don't, don't take them down and put them on a shelf. But what else do we need the public to know about smoke detectors? Maybe how to clean them when they hear the chirp. Just some general education real quick. Yeah, so um, basic bread and butter topics with relation to smoke, smoke alarms, smoke detection. Um, you know, they're really just intended for residential occupancies where um, you might be asleep or unaware of a fire in, in the structure. Um, they should be interconnected. So when one goes off, they all go off. Um, they should be... Um, less than 10 years old, anything that's got some age on it, like if you look up at your ceiling and you see something that's like a little bit yellow or right. kind of looks like it should be replaced, it, it probably needs to be needs to be looked at. Um, they should have um, one in every sleeping space, every bedroom, um, every hallway, and every level. Um, photoelectric ionization types, um, you know, you can do some research on that, but uh, typically go with the photoelectric types with the push to silence um, in case there's, um, you know, steam or um, you know, burnt toast, yep. um, something of that nature. Um, but I know we beat that drum a lot, but we can't stress the benefit right. of early 
detection and warning, which it really saves lives. I mean, it does. Absolutely. I mean, I mean yeah. the clock is ticking. I mean, yeah. it's it's incredible how much seconds matter. Um, you know, especially in a, in a home residential setting. You know, you're familiar with the space and how to evacuate and get out, and hopefully yep. you've practiced that. But um, those smoke alarms going off are invaluable, and we've seen that through you know investigation work. Um, you know, where we've responded to incidents where the smoke alarms were working and they afforded the occupants a chance to get out right. safely. Right, uh, Definitely saved, saved some people's lives just recently. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. without without a doubt. Um, and that noise is unmistakable. I mean, of all the yep. technology and noise that we have in our lives, that, that, that temporal pattern, that beep, beep, beep. I mean, you can't, it's unlike anything else. Right. So people are, you know, we'll get that question a lot. Like, uh, you know, what if I sleep through it? Well, you know, that <laughs> sound is very unique and, and, and it'll, it'll, it'll wake you up. Yep. Um, and then, um, you know, about the safe house, you know, we get to run the second graders through that um, valley-wide once a year and uh, stress the importance of, you know, having working smoke alarms. So I think two things. One that I hear all the time, people are shocked to learn that smoke detectors have a, a, a life cycle. Right? They expire. Uh, so you mentioned every 10 years, roughly. So check the dates on that. And then the other question I know you guys get a lot, I get a lot. Uh, why are my smoke, what causes smoke detectors to go off if there's no fire? So maybe what are the common causes for our listeners? So if they're listening and they hear that thing and they get annoyed, don't unplug it, don't take it down and put it in a cabinet. Here's some things to look for and, and maybe do to clean those out a little bit. Sure. Uh, bit. Yeah, good, good question. Maintenance is, a, is, yeah. is really important to make sure they're functional. Um, if you're like me, they fail at three in the morning. Right. So right. <laughs> um, there's, I don't know if it's just more memorable at that time or uh, <laughs> it may have something to do with um, the heating and cooling of, of the structure. Um, but uh, those detectors going off at odd times, it could be a spider web, could be that they're, right. that they're dirty or clogged. Um, could just be age too. If you think about um, those things are energized electrical equipment and they've constantly got some sort of like low level voltage going through there. And after a while they just, they just get tired because they they're awake all the time. Yep. You know, they, they never get a break. So, you know, through all the hot months of the summer and the cold months of the winter and, um, you know, airflow and the dust that's and that's in the air just inherently. Um, and that combined with uh, the fact that, you know, they're on all the time. Um, steam um, could be dust, could be moisture, um, could be they need to be vacuumed or blown out. Yep. Um, could be the batteries are tired. Um, I've also seen like zombie smoke smoke alarms where you pull them off, take the battery out of them, and they're still chirping. Yep. You you know you get calls about that, and uh, it's like, why is this thing still <laughs> still making time noise? To replace. Yeah, it's time yeah. to replace. Yeah. Joel, I know a lot of you know if we look at our cause of fires, uh, and this is again for the homeowners awareness. Kitchen fires, obviously, uh, quite a bit, but also garage fires, and uh, we're getting through summer now, but. What can people do in their garages to ensure they don't have uh, flammable, ignitable sources when it comes to garage fires? Well, that's, that is a good question. We see that a lot. Um, a lot of vehicle fires in garages, too, mm -hmm. um, stuff like that. But basically, it's like <clears throat> just good housekeeping. <clears throat> Keep the flammables secured in a shed or somewhere away from yep. there. Uh, get, a, get a heat detector installed in your, yeah. in your garage. Yeah. I know that's coming up in the next year or two in, yep. in the code, but it's, it's so valuable. We've just had several fires where the people were in their house, the garage is totally riven, and they had no clue. Right. No idea at all until they a little bit of smoke finally made it into the house. But it was a full structure fire. Yep. Yep. So, you know, housekeeping is a big one. 
Um, you know, most everybody, you go out and work in the garage and you got your tools and your stuff and you, you maybe fill the lawnmower up and, and it's just things like that. And then another thing that I think is uh, smoking. A lot of, we'll see people go into the garage to smoke, you know, especially when it's cold because mm -hmm. they don't want to go all the way outside and yep. stuff like that. And that's something that, that people need to really focus on and always have a way to put your cigarette out in some non-combustible way or yep. something like that. No one just throw it wherever. Yeah, oily rags and garbage cans, don't do that. Uh, yeah. I see a lot of people put their nice green cut grass in the plastic garbage can and then yeah. it's inside the garbage, inside the garage. So yeah, simple things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's about all I can really think of for that yeah. for the most part. Going back to that, <clears throat> the garage fires that we talked about where the people were unaware, if they would have had an interconnected heat detector, they right. would have known that is coming from the garage because they most likely would have, there's no smoke in the air. Right. Right. Uh, we've had a handful of people that have gone to check the garage to see what was up, to see what's happening, open the door, and actually were injured pretty badly. Yep. <clears throat> we're yep. taken to the hospital for either inhaling, inhaling flames, yeah. or basically having all the hair singed off of anything that was exposed. Right. And then hopefully they maintain the fact that their garage door is supposed to be self closing. Right. The, right. Another thing that we've probably all seen that we've or experienced when. We've gone to fires and noticed how many doors were open with everybody left the door open on the way out. Yes. And just like one of those things, just like a lot of things nobody knows what the fire department does. A lot of people don't understand that <clears throat> we always want it to be compartmentalized. Yes. So um, part of the housekeeping is don't chalk your doors open. You know, um, heck, sleep with your doors shut. I mean, all, all the stuff that you take for granted and you just think is just, ah, well, uh, yeah, you can't take any of it for granted. So um, I think another thing that we've seen in garages, and I'm pretty sure we're going to talk about it, is lithium-ion batteries. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, these guys have gone on plenty of fire investigations. Sure enough, that that tends to be the that tends to be the the cause of the fire. Well, let's roll into that. I, that was on the list certainly to talk about. So let's roll on lithium-ion batteries. It's they're great for your tools, right? Yeah. But they have a potential danger to them. So let's talk about that just a little bit. Uh, so what we know on lithium-ion batteries, it's a, it is a you know, hot topic. Forgive me for that one. But it, it is uh, lately um, a lot of classes and research and information, you know, a lot of things we have in our daily lives. You know, your, your electric power toothbrush, um, vape pens, um, mobility devices, scooters, skateboards, bicycles, remote control cars. Yeah, remote control cars. Um, uh, pretty much any anything nowadays takes advantage of that lithium ion Back battery containers. technology because it's so um, small and powerful, which is also what makes it dangerous. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of energy packed into a really small space. Yep. So if you think about the common battery, it's about the size of your thumb, those LI batteries are, and uh, you get a whole stack of those. And if they, um, incur some sort of mechanical damage, if they're charged improperly, if they get uh, you know wet with salt water or the case is damaged, uh, uh, you know, they're subject to something that's called thermal runaway. And that's whereby one cell um, gets out of balance between the positive and negative charged ions in there and um, goes into a, um, a state of uh, heat release rate that is such that it can't be stopped. And then it affects the cell next to it and its neighbor and its neighbor and its neighbor. So it's like a cascade fail. Um, and it's quite um, explosive and very 
very powerful um, chain reaction, chemical chain reaction that causes a fire. So um, we've had lots of instances of those in the past year. So let's talk real quick, because I'm probably like everybody else, I've got my DeWalt batteries all lined up on the shelf in the garage and all that. If, if a homeowner has a fire that starts within that lithium ion battery pack, what's the best way to put it out? So, uh, well, back to Chief Bazzano's in the very beginning talked about defense. So making sure you're, you know, um, separate from adjacent combustibles. Yep. Yet got that nice little fire break is good. Um, if they can be located in a metal container, that's even better. Yep. A lid, that's even better. Um, it's a really high challenge fire yeah. to put out. Yes. Um, those things will actually burn underwater. <laughs> so um, if you think about extinguishment methods, um, you're looking at smothering. So dirt, sand, yep. um, containment, um, removal, um, cooling. Um, yep. we'll, we'll take advantage of the, the cooling properties of water. Um, a lot of times it doesn't mean it's going to stop the runaway, but it'll definitely um, contain. Yeah, keep it tamped down. Keep, yep. keep it contained. Um, I have a video from a security camera um, in a parking garage where a electric lithium ion battery powered skateboard was stored. Um, the skateboard went into thermal runaway. Uh, advanced fire conditions started to grow, started to build, and there was a sprinkler, there's a sprinkler parking garage, so a sprinkler located directly above the fire, um, actually activated the thermal element sprinkler, discharged water over the fire, and you can watch the whole thing on video, and it's like just putting a hat on top of it. And it was almost like Marvel superhero comic stuff, sure. like, yeah. you know, Captain Water just came by <laughs> and just actually just contained it yeah. with, with a shower of sorts. And, and the fire continued to, to, to burn inside of that, right. but it didn't get any worse. And it didn't light off the storage cubby next to it, and the one next to it, and the one next right, to it. Right. Um, and then that allowed crews to get there and finish the job. So Love with it. a water can. So talking about how to put a fire out, another common fire is a grease fire right in the kitchen. And we see so many people want to throw water on it, right? So how do you effectively put out a grease fire in the kitchen? Well, we've actually had a question come in about a lady inquiring about these fire blankets that you see. Right on Instagram, Facebook, Facebook Instagram, all right, yeah. And you watch the, uh, you watch the demonstration that's done by uh, some of the turnouts. Yeah. And when I look at it, I'm like, oh yeah, and turnouts, I would totally do that. Um, without turnouts, absolutely. And turnouts, just for our listeners, that's the apparel we wear inside of a house fire, right? right. It's our so, I mean, protective wear. Everybody's afforded a, a, a nice set of turnouts right. at home. So that is an option, but it's not an option that we would recommend. Um, another thing that people think they heard was the correct thing to do was throw flour on fire. Mm -hmm. Flour is actually a combustible right. dust. Right. Um, you can so you can make it a lot more fun for the firefighters to show up, but it's definitely not going to do what you want it to do. Right. So, uh, but smothering is yep. something, right? Put a lid on it. Yeah. Putting a lid on it. Mm -hmm. um, throwing a wet towel over it. Yep. Just throwing a towel over it. I mean, don't take don't take the time to. And then all in the same in the same breath, hurry up and call nine one one. Right. If right. you have a fire in your house, especially on a, on your stove, you got grease up in the up in the you blue do. of the vent. So who knows what happens? So we always would tell people that we would show up to kitchen fires or show up to a cooking fire, and they'd apologize for calling calling us because they got the fire out. We said we would always we'd always actually let them know how smart that was to. 
couldn't bring us out anyway because we did have to check for extension. Yep. And we have found extension before. So yep. well, that fire's gone up into the flue or something exactly. else. Yeah. Uh, if you're thinking of the powder that is not the powder in a fire extinguisher, baking soda. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, we would always suggest that people should actually have a fire extinguisher somewhere in their kitchen that is on the way out from their stove. Right. Not right next door to their stove where the fire is. So. Yep. I don't know if you guys have encountered anything different or mm-hmm. advised of anything different, but um, I'd watch out for the next best thing that you see on Facebook. Right. It might not always be the right thing. And it's yeah. always just human nature to, when you have that, you're going to get, you're going to think water, yep. right? Unless you're you think really water fire. through it because yeah. that's just human nature. So yep. not a good idea. Well, let's talk about uh, inspections a little bit. The, and really we're talking about now commercial occupancies where our public goes, they shop, they engage in commercial buildings. What do y'all do with inspections? How's, how does it work? How does it look? Um, I guess today was a good primer for because I spent all morning, early afternoon, um, cruising Garden City doing inspections. Um, wish I'd had a, a little uh, helmet cam at times because um, the engagement with the public is a big piece of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, there's probably more um, to do it effectively. There's more art than science involved in those. Um, and uh, Chief Design and I kind of, you know, we. We, we view that in the same way, whereby we're extending a hand to the community right. and trying to in, engage them in a partnership. And I always start every inspection with, you know, explaining why I'm here. Um, you know, I'm with the fire department. We're out walking buildings today. Uh, have you guys down for a visit? Um, we're just checking access, egress, yep. extinguishers, fire protection systems. Um, trying to look downstream for you folks and see if there's any um, things that we can identify that might be an issue for you your customers, your business, or first responders getting in. Um, so I, I try to kind of capture the essence of what we're doing in the beginning, um, and then ask for permission to walk through, and then uh, try to um, you know work with them and not against them. I mean, we do we do have a badge, you know, and that's helpful at, at times. But um, really, you know, our intent is not to be badge heavy, as it were, and we don't we're not there to write violations. And there's a there's a big you know uh, I don't know cliche in, in 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 society where he's like oh the fire marshal's here you know yeah. you're gonna write me up you know and I get it a lot like yeah. uh oh you're gonna write me a ticket like oh put away the gasoline you know or whatever you know but yeah. um, we really just try to um, coordinate with them um, say hey you're here every day it's your business so you kind of get that normalization of you know deviance perhaps yeah. and if I'm a fresh set of eyes you know I can point out something that maybe you weren't aware of or it overlooked or um, something that could be an issue for you. Because really it's my aim to try to keep people safe, keep people in business. Um, and then like Chief Bazzano said, if something does happen, you know, put us in a defendable position where you have the best chance possible to make it right. the, the most, you know, impact reduced event, you know, at the end of it. And, and being able to work investigations has really helped um, kind of capture that and like the end of the trail you see what it's like at the end right. so you just try to rewind that to the beginning and say look you know if you've got you know an area with a missing sheetrock ceiling wood construction above that let's get that patched up so that if you do have a fire in this room it doesn't communicate to the attic and burn the top of your building off you know it's kind of language like that like hey i love it really trying to help you 
you know, reduce the impact of any potential problems. And I love the conversation I've had this even with our city leadership. When it comes to inspections, there's a public safety certainly component to it, and that's our mission. There's a firefighter safety component to it, which I think you guys are very passionate about, and I love that. But even if you look at the economic impact of a building burning down, right? So let's take any restaurant, Boise, right? And that building is out of commission for six, seven, nine months. You look at all the downstream effects economically of a building being out of service, right? It's delivery no longer having delivery. It's the employees no longer having jobs. It's all of that. So there's even a huge economic impact to the work you all do to try and prevent the thing from happening in the first place. One of the things that, as far as inspections, like how they're even scheduled, is NFPA has a recommended frequency that you inspect certain occupancy types and all the different commercial buildings have different occupancy types. Uh, you can, an example is a restaurant is an assembly type occupancy because right. people assemble, you know, storage occupancy, warehouse. So they're fairly straightforward with their, with their de definitions. But um, what we want to do is we want to make our inspections basically personalize them to the city of Boise. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about important buildings, we want to, what we want to do is we're moving towards a risk-based system of right. inspections. Right. And one of the, one of the risks that we look at is how, if this building were to be out of commission, what effect does that have on the citizens of yep. Boise? Yep. You know, if it's uh, a building that you can, if it's a storage building that you could just go right and rent another one, right. not terribly big impact, right? But hospitals. infrastructure. Uh, right. Like you're saying, restaurants, you know, yes. libraries, everything. Pharmacies. Uh, yes, all the... these important things that we need daily. So we're going through, and as a team, we're gonna we're gonna institute a more personalized inspection program for the city of Boise by going through all nine thousand occupancies. That's a lot. And uh, categorizing them as what is high risk, moderate risk, low risk for the city of Boise. And then with the ultimate goal of serving everybody the way they're supposed to be served. And then internally, when we're out doing inspections, we know that this is the day I'm yep. supposed to be here. And I don't feel like I really need to be across the street, but NFPA standard says I need to be here today. So uh, that's up and that's upcoming. Hopefully by the next year, we can start this hopefully in 2024 and see how that goes and just keep fine tuning nice. it and fine tuning it. Keep evolving it. Yeah, it'll never be perfect, but it'll keep getting better. So. Yeah, love it. So that's the inspection side. That's the pre-work. And now some some other things you you all do. D two hats, right? Dual hats. Because you do investigations. Now our ops folks have gone out. There's been a fire. You all get called in uh, to do the investigation. Right? Talk, talk about investigations, Joel, and the work you guys do. So basically what we're, our focus is to find the origin and the cause. And a lot of times uh, the captains can do that on, on the scene there because it's obvious or they, you know, there's video, whatever and stuff. But when they, when they can't determine that, they call us out, whatever the hour is, you know, the time of the day, whatever. And our procedure is basically meet with the BC, figure out what the type of call it is. Um, and then we go through what we call the scientific method. It's a very methodical approach to an investigation so you don't really miss anything. And that's set up the same way every time. Start with your outside photos. You go from the least damaged to the most damaged. Once the house or structure has been deemed safe from the safety officer, then you work inside and you do mm -hmm. basically the same thing. But you do it the same way every time, um, again, so you don't miss a step. Um, 
some fires are easy and some are very right. difficult. Right. Some are complex and then others are, you know, pretty, pretty bread and butter. Uh, but so it's that's that's the approach that we go to it. As far as that, you know, we're taking pictures, collecting evidence, we're uh, uh, forming hypotheses on what happened. And then you test the hypothesis through you know through your you know procedures in your mind, and you figure out like, well, can this could this have actually caught this on fire? No, oh, this this doesn't burn. This you know that mm -hmm. type of stuff. And you know we use the crews a lot to help us out as well. Yep. We always do interviews with them, see what they saw. Witnesses, videos. Um, the investigations do take a lot. Like there's some that are open for four or five, six weeks, right? Because there's a lot of follow-up. Um, you know, especially in some of the arson cases, or when we do have fatalities. I mean, you know, it's a lot more, in, in, you know, detail going on there. A lot more agencies involved and things yep. like that. Yep. But, um, you know, it, having done it now for a couple of years, Forest and I and stuff, it, we've we've done we've learned so much. I mean, and it is such a cool way to see it from the other end, not fighting the fire, but investigating right. the fire. Right. Um, and you learn what causes fires, yeah? like the lithium ion batteries. You know, mm -hmm. we're, we're going to see it with cars a lot more with all of, you know, batteries in the cars. Um, so it's just, it's a great, uh, you know, way to look at things and figure stuff out like that. But I know our crews on the upside certainly helps them as they go yeah. battle the next fire. Yeah, and that is definitely one of the things we do. We, we've gotten so much better at it as far as like, Getting a hold, like you just went to talk to one of the captains at Station Four today. He had a fire this weekend and went over it with them and you know complimented on all the things they did right because yep. they did some really cool things. You know, so we'll put out that press information, kind of a general thing. But sometimes we'll just go ahead and contact those crews that are on that fire right. and go over everything. And you know, that's building that relationship. They feel more confident going to a fire. They know that we're taking it seriously. Yep. Um, and yeah, it's it's um, investigations are very necessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The immediate feedback that these that our investigators give the crews, we've seen like uh, I get compliments and I ask people please let the investigators know all the time about um, one they it's they love the read they they think it's an enjoyable read, not just mm -hmm. because to get to the bottom of it, but the way these guys convey it, there's um, it's just it's what firefighters want and yep. the time in which they get it to the firefighters they're uh, we're not sitting around waiting right or wondering we're hoping like hopefully we can give you the information now so that if you have a fire today yeah you Love can it. remember what happened what two or three days ago so these guys do a great job as soon as they as soon as they can pin it down to something they get it out to the crew so yeah. again more more accommodations for for the investigators and like you said they wear two hats not they only do. are they not sleeping at night, but they're they're still at work performing all their inspections as well. Right. So, right. You know, and I, I just added that you know the goal of the investigation is, of course, find the origin cause, but really is to prevent the next fire. You know, if we figure out it's a if it's a manufactured issue, you know, you know, problem with that is it mm -hmm. was it something that's maybe not a lot of people know, but this would be a great place to mention this. People that do smoke, you'll see them a lot of times sitting out on their patios. And when they're done smoking, they'll put their cigarette in the potting soil. They think that that's actually soil. Right. It's right. actually peat moss it's and peat things moss. like that. It's not, and it's it will burn, and we've had multiple fires with that. So that's something, that, a good educational piece right there. So but sand is what should be in those. Yeah, yeah, yeah sand or right. maybe even a little thing with some water, but definitely a, a non-combustible uh, right. you know, thing. But potting soil, it's tricky, right? It says it's soil. You know, yeah. If you didn't know, you didn't know. Yeah. But um, So we see a lot of those. But really, it's so we can prevent the next one. Um, and on the investigation side, most of our cause and origin, it's accidental. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But every once in a while, it's, it's arson. And I think Joel is our super detective uh, <laughs> in the organization. I know he takes great pride in being able to hunt down the arsonist. But I think 
there is some satisfaction in that, that we're, we're holding people accountable when they do commit arson, because arson is, you know, if we look at it from our lens, our firefighters are being put in harm's way unnecessarily because somebody decided to do this thing, yeah. right? And that's really what we're trying to get at is there's, there's got to be an accountability piece there. You work directly with the police department when yeah. it's an arson case, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So when we get to the point where it's suspicious or we even think it's arson or it's a, uh, you know, high value. There's times when that we will get a hold of the on-call detectives that will come out and work with us, and yep. and it's a it's a teamwork thing because they're going to be doing the interviews and that type of stuff. You know, the legal law enforcement type of things. You know, maybe even handcuffing somebody and taking you know going to interview them or whatever. You know, but um, and then we're we're doing the fire investigation. Then we share the share the information in the hopes of you know keep holding people responsible. Right. And you know. We've seen a lot more arsons. I think we're up about 50% just in the last year. We've got a lot more people here. Yeah. And I think that's just how it is. But, um, you know, and so there's the danger to the firefighters, the people that might be in the fire, but just the property damage alone, you know, that's yeah. that affects a lot of things, raises insurance rates, all that kind of stuff. So, um, and we've had some pretty serious ones. You know, we had the one guy last year that did 11 fires in one day um, and some that you know somebody probably could have died in a couple of right. those as well right. and that, so. that one that was there was 11 starts in the day was a one, a good example of our interagency relationships it was forest service blm boise police sheriff's department Ada county sheriff's yeah, department yeah. us i'm not sure if we if we worked with cunifier yeah, Kuna was there. So was even Orchard got involved in it a little yeah, bit. But so then roughly ten agencies of right. different varieties, and it was it was fun to watch. I got I was in there as basically a facilitator. Uh, it was fun to watch everybody like really just get down to business fast, and it was pretty pretty seamless with yeah. the way they operated. So yeah, get yeah. to work. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the time, uh, kind of telling the story. Uh, to our community and to those that are listening yeah. about what prevention does, the role it plays, and I quite honestly, the, the importance of prevention in our mission. And like I said, it's a 50-50 it's a shot, right? We have the prevention and uh, we have operations. Anything else you want to add uh, before we close out? Well, for the firefighters, know that we're not going to put every fire out before you get there. In fact, that will most likely never happen. We just want to make sure that when you get there, it's exactly how you trained. Maybe a sprinkler might keep it in check for you, right. but uh, yeah, we're not we're not there. We're not job killers like I used to call the prevention division when I was on when I was on a fire engine. And then, um, you know, if you're interested, like our, if our firefighters are interested, come talk to us. See, I mean, if you want to find out more of what we do, it's actually a fun place to work. It's actually uh, it is a promotion to come in here because the the requirements that are upon us in the prevention division, there's a lot of responsibility there set on, you know, very few people in the department. So it, it's worth it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You guys are doing a great job. Thank you guys for joining us. Thanks for having Thanks. us. All right. Thank you, Chief. Thank you, Chief. Thanks, Boise, for tuning in. We hope you join us next month for another exciting episode of the Mission Strong podcast.